consume into our minds and heart can stay and brew and ferment and then that comes out through our thoughts and through our words and eventually through our actions and that is what Jesus is more concerned about. regarding clean and unclean things but their applications will be a little bit different depending on whether we are talking about the literally unclean animals that God lists for us in Leviticus 11 and in Mark 7 it's no longer about the literal application of not eating unclean food or unclean animals but it's more about our human heart and what we consume into our minds and store in our hearts that comes out from our mouth. So Leviticus 11 is really important to read. We may tend to skip over these Old Testament books about the laws and it seems very tedious to read, but this is still God's word. That's something we have to recognize that this, the totality of the Bible is still God's word and we still need to read the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And there's a blessing in doing that as we're reading the New Testament and then checking on what God says in the physical reality for the Israelites in the Old Testament, we see this confirmation and we get such a much richer picture of one, God's character and also his plans and purposes for God's people throughout history. Thousands and thousands of years of teaching of God guiding the Israelites, of God leading them, of God preserving them through these laws. So it is very enriching to read the Old Testament. And I do encourage you to read both the New and the Old Testament at the same time on a daily basis. So today we're going to read Leviticus 11. Let's go through the whole book together. Let's read. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Say to the Israelites, Of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a divided hoof and that chews the cud. So let me just be quiet a little bit. Yeah, living in Bangkok, we get a lot of uh, noise from outside cars and traffic. Let's continue Leviticus going into verse 4. There are some that only chew the cud and only have a divided hoof, but you must not eat them. The camel, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. The rabbit, though it chews the cud, does not have a divided hoof. It is unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a divided hoof, does not chew the cud. It is unclean for you. You must not eat their meat or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Of all the creatures living in the water of the seas and the streams, you may eat any that have fins and scales. But all creatures in the seas or streams that do not have fins and scales, whether among all the swarming things or among all the other living things, living creatures in the water, you are to regard as unclean. 
and since you are to regard them as unclean, you must not eat their meat. You must regard these carcasses as unclean. Anything living in the water that does not have fins and scales is to be regarded as unclean by you. These are the birds you are to regard as unclean and not eat because they are unclean. The eagle, the vulture, the black vulture, the red kite, and any kind of black kite. Any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk. The little hawk, the cormorant, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. All flying insects that walk on all fours are to be regarded as unclean by you. There are, however, some flying insects that walk on all fours that you may eat. Those that have jointed legs for hopping on the ground, of those you may eat any kind of locust, catadid, cricket, or grasshopper. But all other flying insects that have four legs you are to regard as unclean. You will make yourselves unclean by these. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Whoever picks up one of their carcasses must wash their clothes and they will be unclean till evening. Every animal that does not have a divided hoof or that does not chew the cud is unclean for you. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them will be unclean. Of all the animals that walk on all fours, those that walk on their paws are unclean for you. Whoever touches their carcasses will be unclean till evening. Anyone who picks up their carcasses must wash their clothes and they will be unclean till evening. These animals are unclean for you. Of the animals that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. The weasel, the rat, any kind of great lizard, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, the skunk, and the chameleon. Of all those that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. Whoever touches them when they are dead will be unclean till evening. When one of them dies and falls on something, that article, whatever its use, will be unclean, whether it is made of wood, cloth, hide, or sackcloth. Put it in water, it will be unclean till evening, and then it will be clean. If one of them falls into a clay pot, everything in it will be unclean and you must break the pot. Any food you are allowed to eat that has come into contact with water from any such pot is unclean and any liquid that is drunk from such a pot is unclean. Anything that one of these carcasses falls on becomes unclean. An oven or cooking pot must be broken up. They are unclean, and you are to regard them as unclean. A spring, however, or a cistern for collecting water remains clean, but anyone who touches one of these carcasses is unclean. If a carcass falls on any seeds that are to be planted, they remain clean. But if water has been put on the seed and a carcass falls on it, it is unclean for you. If an animal that you are allowed to eat dies, anyone who touches it, touches its carcass will be unclean till evening. Anyone who eats some of its carcass must wash their clothes and they will be unclean till evening. Anyone who picks up the carcass must wash their clothes and they will be unclean till evening. Every creature that moves along the ground is to be regarded as unclean. It is not to be eaten. 
You are not to eat any creature that moves along the ground, whether it moves on its belly or walks on all fours or on many feet, it is unclean. Do not defile yourselves by any of these creatures. Do not make yourselves unclean by means of them or be made unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourselves unclean by any creature that moves along the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. These are the regulations concerning animals, birds, and every living creature that moves about in the water and every living creature that moves along the ground. You must distinguish between the clean and the unclean, between living creatures that may be eaten and those that may not be eaten. So that's a very, very long list of things that are clean and unclean. Now the purpose of God telling the Israelites this was to preserve them, keep them safe. Remember that at that time in history, there was no sterilization. There was no way to pasteurize anything. There was no refrigeration. And if they got sick, it would be basically death. We are blessed in this day and age to have medicine. We're blessed to have medical facilities and doctors, professionals taking care of us and antibiotics to help us, to help our body fight off infection. But back then in the ancient days, there was no such thing. So God wanted to warn the Israelites, making it very clear for them to stay away from certain animals that now actually we realize a lot of these things, we know they're unclean because like rats and cockroaches, insects that are unclean that carry diseases, if we were to ingest them, we would get sick and not just sick, but we could die. These could be fatal illnesses and diseases that are contagious and obliterate the entire population like a pandemic. Um, so God wanted to make it very clear what kind of animals the Israelites should stay away from. And that was his purpose for telling them, in addition to being holy and set apart, behaving differently from the neighboring tribes around the Israelites. So God wanted to set them apart in the food that they ate, but also to protect their lives and longevity and the lineage that would come out of the Israelites who would be Jesus Christ. So it was very clear for God to set out these protective guidelines for the Israelites. Now then we go look at Mark 7 verses 1 to verse 23. We see that Jesus says that it's not the food that makes a man unclean, but it's what comes out of his mouth. Does this contradict with what the Old Testament says about unclean food? No, but here Jesus wants to talk about our heart because the purpose of God in the Old Testament laying out the rules for what not to eat and what to eat was to protect them physically. But now Jesus is coming to the heart of the man. What makes a man unclean? So let's go read Mark uh, chapter 7 verses 1 to 23. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. 
So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or their mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked? Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So Jesus here is making a clarification. He is not saying that the law in the Old Testament was wrong. He's saying that it served a different purpose. All foods are declared clean in this sense that whatever you eat, it eventually comes out and it doesn't stay with us. But there's a greater danger of defiling ourselves when we look at the issue of the heart. We can defile ourselves when we consume things. So Jesus likes to use analogies of our body, right? Our head, our eyes, our heart, our mind, and our hands, and our thoughts. So whatever comes out of our mouth, where does that come from? It comes from our mind, and it comes from our heart. So what we consume through our eyes goes into our mind to process and it sinks into our heart. And from there, a lot of things brew, right? Whatever we keep, whatever we sow and consume into our minds and heart can stay and brew and ferment. And then that comes out through our thoughts and through our words and eventually through our actions. And that is what Jesus is more concerned about, our spiritual health, our spiritual destiny. Yes, now we have Jesus giving us the word of what he really cares about. God calls his people throughout the ages, throughout history, to be holy and not unclean. Are we being holy or are we being unclean? That's up to us. That's our responsibility to know and identify the unclean things of this world because 
we are bombarded with a lot of things coming at us and we need to make a choice and ask for God's discernment and wisdom in terms of what we put into our spiritual eyes, into our eyes, into our mind, and coming out our mouth. See, it's like we have this processing system. Let's call it a filtration system, right? A system consists of the input, the process, the filtration, and the output. What is the input that we're allowing into our hearts and minds? They're the images of the world. They're the ideas of the world. They're ideology and man-made religions, man-made ideas, man-made wisdom, man-made opinions, right? Men's opinions of the world, their understanding of the world that we can read and we can watch and we can observe. And then we have to decide what we allow to enter our bodies. There are things we need to say, we reject because that is not of God. We reject because that will defile our minds and eventually defile our hearts. And the words that come out of our mouths will be unclean and unfruitful. So how do we process the things in this world to help make sure that we are holy, our actions are holy, the words that come out of our mouths are holy? How is the health of your filtration system? And as I was reading this, you know, what comes out? We are the aroma of Christ, right? What comes out of our mouth has an aroma. Does that aroma reflect and point to Christ? Do you have the aroma of Christ wanting people to hunger more and be attracted to who Christ is? Does that aroma arouse interest in Christ? Or is the aroma that comes out of you the aroma of the world that draws people away from Christ? We all have an aroma coming out of us through our attitudes, through our words. What is that aroma? So how do we ensure that our filtration system is healthy and working well? A healthy filtration system would be able to process the world's information, the world's wisdom, in a way that when we come out on the other side, it is a clean aroma of Christ that is distinct, holy, and set apart from the aroma of the world. So I've listed here a few ways that we can check the health of our filtration system, making sure that we are exuding out the aroma of Christ, not the aroma of the world. Number one, we must set our mind on things above, on things of God. Are you about God's business? Are you consuming things that ha has anything to do with God's business? What are you involved in, whether it's media, whether it is the people you are influenced by? What activities are you doing daily? Are those things showing that you are involved in your father's business or are you more involved in the world's business number two hide god's word in your heart that is the most important filtration layer in our hearts and minds because god's word needs to filter everything that comes in from the world we need to filter these things using the word of god that means that we need to know his word to be able to hide it in our hearts we need to read the word we have to know the word and then hide these scriptures in our hearts cherish these scriptures knowing that this is not just something you do once a week but it's something we need to have every single day to keep that filtration system healthy so when i say hide god's word in your heart it doesn't mean hide and put away and bury deep it means hiding it there take care of it and keeping it safe but also using it using it is that most effective filter 
from the unclean things of this world that will make us stray away from God's word and our relationship with him. Number three, we have to have this daily lifestyle of confessing and repenting on a regular basis with God to keep the channel clear. If the filtration system is clogged up from you know, unconfessed sin and hardening of hearts, then you know, you're literally going to harden your heart because you're not confessing. You're not asking God to renew these things and bring them to the cross. You're not giving it up to God to be burnt by His Holy Spirit, a figurative way of burning those clogged arteries or that clogged filtration system is asking the Holy Spirit to burn those things away, take it from you and submitting to him, asking him for his help to take away those sins that we have committed, whether in thought, in word, or in deed. Thoughts like malice, envy, jealousy, these things can really build up. We might not even know it. And so it's important to know what God tells us, the things that we need to put off, right? Comparing ourselves to the world and thinking of, oh, they have such a better life than me. Pity, feeling sorry for yourself. All these things will really stir up and ferment envy and jealousy and malice and bitterness. And these things will harden your filtration system, making it less effective. Number four, in addition to that, you need to renew your mind. Know that God has good plans for you. Knowing that even though in this circumstance, what you see may not be something that you want. Maybe you're not, uh, you're not achieving a goal you want to achieve and your peer has already gone so many worldly successes that you feel a little bit sad. You feel a little angry at God like, God, how come the wicked is prospering, but I am suffering? Why am I going through these trials and trouble, yet the wicked, they prosper? But God's word affirms to us that that will not be forever. We will have the day when we, our faith will become sight. What we hold dear, what God holds dear will be rewarded to us. So be patient and persevere and renew your mind to not think like the world, to not compare the worldly successes to your successes. What we need to be caring about as Christ followers is our spiritual blessings and living each day with a grateful heart, not comparing our lives to other people because as they say, comparison is the biggest thief of joy and you can protect your heart from that by not comparing to other people. When you think like the world, when your mind is like the world, you will talk like the world. And that's a red flag to us not taking in God's word more than taking in the world's idea. We live in the world. We are not taken out from the world yet. Jesus says for us to be in this world but not of the world. So we will every day interact with the world. And there are things we can take in and process and use for our growth and development. But we need to know that the most important things we need to take in are God's pieces of wisdom, gems of wisdom from his word and store those up more than the gems and wisdom of the world. So renew your mind. Make sure you're not speaking like the world, but you're speaking like a Christ follower. And number five, and number five, know and embrace your identity. That means living out your identity in Christ. Who are you in Christ? You are a child of God. You are a prince of the Most High King. You are a princess of the Most High King. Live out that identity. You are 
holy because of Jesus Christ. You are a new creation when you come to Christ, when you surrender your life to him, when you ask him to give you a new heart and a new mind, you have a new title. You have a new identity. You are a new creation. So act like it. Act like that role that God has assigned you to. Act like that position, that title that God has given you. You are a child of God. And sometimes we think, oh, I don't deserve this. I can't be called a princess. I can't be called a prince. I'm not holy. How can I say that I'm holy? God tells you you're a holy. Don't disagree with that. Accept that. No, we don't deserve this title. Nobody on earth deserves this title. But because of Jesus' perfect sacrifice on the cross, we have been adopted into this royal family of Christ, royal family of our Heavenly Father in heaven. We don't deserve it, but we have received this gift with joy. And now that we've received it, we have to live it out. We have to live out and work out our royal responsibilities. So every day in the morning, Go to God, ask God, what is it that you want me to do as your child? What is it that you want me to do as part of this royal family to further your kingdom, Lord? And at the end of the day, pray and release it to him. It's hard. It's not easy to do these royal responsibilities, if you would. Each day, you will come under attack. You will come under people pushing back at you. You will come under spiritual warfare. It's not easy. So at the end of the day, Go to God, release it to him, pray about the difficulties you've had, pray about how your heart was affected by the world, and ask God again to renew your heart. And in the morning, waking up, knowing that his mercy is new every single morning, and we start again, working and living out our title as child of God. We are holy, chosen people. We are a priesthood through our high priest Jesus Christ who had gone before us to make a way and reconcile us to our Father in heaven. And God has purposes for us. That's why it's important for us to be intentional about what we consume through our hearts, through our minds, and what comes out of our mouths, whether that is the aroma of Christ or the aroma of the world. And this royalty comes with responsibility. I want to encourage us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why fear and trembling? Because we need to recognize that this is a weighty responsibility. This is serious stuff that God is calling us to do to advance his kingdom. And we need to embrace this weighty responsibility of being a child of God, of being a disciple of Christ, this prince or princess that you are who has been adopted and we don't want to just sit idle. Royal duty doesn't mean you just sit idle and have other people serve you. That's actually the opposite of what God's, God wants. God calls for us to be servant leaders, to be princes and princesses of God, to serve others, not to sit idle, but take on this duty, this responsibility, and serve his kingdom. So I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that if your relationship with your king, your God has grown cold, that's really the first thing you need to do is go back and renew that love relationship with him and then receive the mission that he has for you to further advance his kingdom, to share the life-transforming truth that you know that is the gospel, to share it with the world. Thank you for watching. See you in the next video.